Well, thank you so much. Thank you, our praise team, our trio, and our choir, and all of you who have worshipped this morning. Thank you so much. I pray the Lord was pleased with that as we uh, have worshipped, and that's what we're here for. We're here to worship Him and then to hear a word from Him. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to read verses 1 through 23 familiar passage, no doubt. I'm going to be sharing with you this morning a sermon entitled, The Resurrection and Comfort. The Resurrection and Its Comfort. Taken from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 23, and then we'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and several, several other passages. But these are two that I'll be focusing on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read verses 1 through 23. Listen to God's word. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, for which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then the twelve. After that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, some have died. After that he'd seen, he was seen of James, and then all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meant to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. He became the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the promises in your word, the truth of your word. Your word is truth. Your word is true. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here this morning. Speak to our hearts, I pray. Uh, use me, I pray, Father. May I preach with, with the power of your Holy Spirit. May I preach in the words that you would have me to say, and Lord, in the Spirit to say them in. Thank you for what you're going to do in this service, for I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 23. Paul deals with the subject of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There was a lie being told in the church at Corinth that Christ was not raised from the dead. A lie being told that Christ was not raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the gospel. The resurrection of Je If there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel. If there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no hope. If there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, there really is no Christianity. No other religion in the world is based on the fact of a bodily resurrection except Christianity. And when you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Christianity, then you have removed Christianity. A dead Christ means a dead Christianity. First of all, I want to share with you about the resurrection, how it was prophesied and how it was predicted. How it was prophesied in the Old Testament, how it was predicted by Jesus himself in the New Testament. First, you have long ago, Job asked a question, a question of all ages. Uh, Job asked a question, if a man, in Job 14, 14, if a man die, shall he live again? If a man dies... Shall he live again? Now, we expect death to come. We expect death, but we also have a glimmer of hope that medical science and medical technology, something will be discovered that will let us live just a little bit longer. We all have that desire in our life. But Job's question was not, will I die? That was not his question. He knew that he would die. His question, burning in his heart, was, Will a man live again? Will I live again? And so, Job prophesied, asked the question, he prophesied in Job 19, 25, uh, through verse 27, and he answered that question. Uh, Job 19, verse 25, listen to God's word. He says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He's going to live again. Whom shall I see? Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. So Job prophesied that there is life after death, that he would, he would live again. So the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is prophesied in the Old Testament. Messianic prophecies were made hundreds and hundreds of years, even thousands of years before Jesus Christ was even born. And he is the only person who ever walked on this earth that fulfilled every one of those prophecies. From Genesis to Malachi, over 300 specific prophecies detailing 
detailing the, the coming of the anointed one, the coming of the Messiah. Prophecies detailing his, his virgin birth, where he would be born in Bethlehem. Prophecies concerning the tribe he would come from, the tribe of Judah. Prophecies concerning his lineage, he would come from the lineage of King David. Prophecies concerning his sinless life, his, his atoning work on the cross, his death and his resurrection. And so you have the prophecy of the Messiah in the Old Testament, the resurrection of the Messiah in the Old Testament. You have the prophecy in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 of the death of the Messiah. Psalm 22 depicts how he would be crucified thousands of years before Jesus was even born. The Bible says in Psalm 22, his feet would be pierced, verse 16. The Bible says that his bones would not be broken, Psalms 22, 17. The Bible says that, that they would cast lots for his clothing, in Psalm 22, verse 18. Thousands of years before Jesus was born. And then in, in Isaiah 53, you have the suffering servant chapter, and it details his death 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. And so time's not going to permit me to go over the detailed description of his crucifixion in Isaiah 53, but read the suffering servant uh, in Isaiah 53 when you have an opportunity. But the clearest passage penned by King David about the resurrection of Jesus is found in, in Psalm 16, verse 10. Psalm 16, verse 10. Listen to this. Psalm 16, verse 10, he says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Another translation, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption or undergo corruption or, or decay. And so the holy one here is not David. The holy one of Israel, there's only one holy one of Israel. The ideal Israelite, the most holy one of Israel, is not David, but it's the Messiah. It's Jesus Christ himself. He holds the claim to being the most holy one. And if you remember Jesus, we're taught in the Word where the Scripture says the wages of sin is death, and Jesus died on Calvary, but he was sinless. Death had no power over him. The Bible says he descended down to the lower parts of the earth the upper chamber of Sheol, that paradise area. And then there he proclaimed to all of God's people there in paradise, to the thief included, by the way, when he was crucified. He proclaimed to, to those in paradise, the Old Testament saints, Noah and Abraham and Moses and all the saints in the Old Testament. He proclaimed to the dark regions below that I fulfilled the cross, I fulfilled the prophecy, I fulfilled it. I've triumphed over the cross, and he was there three days and three nights. But corruption and decay could not touch him. And then up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. All prophesied in the Old Testament. So you have the resurrection prophesied in the Old Testament. Then you have the resurrection prophesied by Jesus, his own resurrection. As you read the New Testament, Jesus predicted over and over again his betrayal, his death, and his resurrection. Three years before he was 
he was raised from the dead. He had this exchange between himself and the religious leaders of the day. And instead of reading the scriptures, John 2, 18 through 22, and they're arguing back and forth, and Jesus compared himself to the temple, and he said, you tear this temple down, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. He's referring to his body. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 39 through 40, that the resurrection was to be a sign that demonstrated that he was who he said he was. It's a sign. So the Bible says that Jesus had the ability to even raise himself. It's my, I'm the one who gives my life. I'm the one who lays my life down. I'm the one who raises it up again. He had the ability to perform his resurrection himself. Jesus predicted his own resurrection. He gave them a sign of the temple being his body. He gave them a sign of Jonah. Remember, three days in the belly of the whale, uh, of the a sea creature. <laughs> I forgot, sea creature. Brantley's in here. He's, he's, he knows it's a sea creature. We don't know for sure it's a whale. It's a sea creature. Big fish. But there he gave the sign with Jonah, and then he talked with his disciples back and forth about his, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. All of this discussion with Jesus and his disciples and Jesus about his body being the temple and being in the, in the belly of the earth three days and three nights led the religious leaders to put a guard at his tomb. My goodness, the Old Testament prophesied Jesus himself prophesied so pay real close attention are you really 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 shocked are you stunned are you confused that we're here today to celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ my goodness he's alive just like he said he would be in the old testament thousands of years before he was born and then by himself so you have the resurrection prophesied in the old testament predicted by jesus but I must go on. You have the resurrection comfort. The resurrection comfort. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look, if you will, at verse 16. Resurrection comfort. He says, For if the dead rise not, then not, then not Christ raised. If, verse 17, If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You're yet in your sins. In verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life we only have uh, hope in Christ, we're all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ all shall be made alive. You know, really, there's only two types of people here this morning. Those that are in Adam, those that are in Christ. You see, we were born in Adam. We're all sinners by nature, by our birth. But yet something happened. The Holy Spirit convicted us we needed a Savior. And God did something marvelous in our life. He changed us when he came into our life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we went from being in Adam to all of a sudden being in Christ. And so today, you're either in Adam, you've rejected Christ, or you're in, uh, you're in Christ, you've received Christ. You're in Christ because of the resurrection. So remember, the resurrection of Jesus, we have the greatest 
question ever asked by man. Will a man live again? Will he? The Bible teaches that because Jesus Christ lives, we can live also, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so the greatest truth that you can ever hear is that Jesus Christ came, he died, he rose again, and that you too will die, but you will rise to newness of life. What a truth. Look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, a familiar passage. Um, our guys sang about it just a few minutes ago. 1 Thessalonians, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You know, uh, you hear this funeral, uh, you hear this passage read so many times at funerals, and, and sometimes we don't think that much about it, you know, and, and we think, my goodness, um, you know, Brother Sam is going to use it this morning. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse familiar passage, verse 13 and following. Paul says, listen, I would not have you to be ignorant, misinformed, another word. I wouldn't have you be ignorant, brethren, you're speaking to the church, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them from uh, who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, verse 17, which are alive and remain, shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so the Bible is very clear. One day, and I believe real soon, Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. Those that uniquely belong to Him. Those who have placed faith and trust in Christ and believed in Him, His death, His burial, His resurrection, trusted Him as Lord of their life, Savior of their life. He's coming back for the church. And the coming of Jesus is the next event on the prophetic calendar. Not waiting for anything else. It's the coming of Jesus. In theological circles, this is known as the rapture of the church. That word rapture is not found in the Bible, but the word caught up is. And so we're going to be caught up, the English word rapture. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be snatched away as God's people. It literally refers to the time when believers, both dead and those living, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the bodies of the dead believers... Going up first, those that died in Christ will rise first and will be reunited with their souls and all believers will receive their glorified bodies. My goodness. And he says we're to comfort one another with these words. Now remember this. Please remember, this is a promised event. This is something that's guaranteed by the risen Christ himself. This is something that's guaranteed by Christ. It's promised, just like the resurrection was promised. The rapture is promised. He promised the, re the resurrection of the believers uh, at the rapture, at the catching up, at the snatching away of the church. If you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the disciples, Jesus is, is, is going to ascend, and his disciples watch him leave the earth and go back into heaven. And all of a sudden, an angel is standing there, and 
Verse 9, chapter 1, And when he had thus spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfast toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you in heaven shall come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. Coming back. So prior to his crucifixion, prior to his death, prior to his burial, prior to his resurrection, Jesus explained to his disciples, Listen, I'm going to go away for a while, but I'm coming back. Last week we looked at we looked at the reasons. We looked at the reasons uh, that uh, there's no substitute for church. No church is important. What you're doing here, what we're doing here today is really important. There's no substitute whatsoever for this today. Because Jesus owns the church. We were bought with his we bought with silver or gold. We were bought with his precious blood. He he leads the church into the very presence of God to the Holy of Holies by His blood. He rules the church. He's in charge. The Bible says that He rules over the house of God. He's the life of the church. We're to come to church prior to getting here. We're to prepare ourselves and have a true heart and true conscience to draw near to God when we get here. But then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, He says something amazing. If you will, turn there. And I'm going to conclude with this real quick. You'll have to listen real quick. Hebrews 10, verse 25, familiar passage. Keep in mind, the subject matter we're dealing with is Christ is coming again. Christ is coming again. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 25. He says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, you need to underline assembling. Very important word. Not forsaking, you can underline that, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So the word assembly there, that word is connected with the word synagogue. Synagogue is a place where they went to church in biblical time. Jesus went to the church. He went to church. He went to the synagogue. And so churches. Uh, the assembly is connected with synagogue, and the synagogue was a place of congregational worship where people attended. And notice what he's saying here. He says, listen, don't forsake, don't let down, don't abandon. Church, the synagogue, the assembly. Because Paul says, some have already done this. Some have fallen away from the church. Church like this, where people come in and gather to worship. Some have stopped coming. Some have fallen away from, from attending church. The same today. Today we have churchless Christians. They're just floating around, not plugged in in anything, not connected with the church in any way, just floating around professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Here's the point. You're not supposed to disconnect from the church. You're not supposed to forsake the church. With your absence from the church means that if you're not here, you're letting down the Lord and you're letting down the church. Don't forsake. They were forsaking the church. Now I ask myself, why were they forsaking the church? Do you know why? Why do people forsake the church? Why were they forsaking the church? 
You know, some people get up at 2.30 in the morning. Some men get up at 2.30 in the morning, and they go deer hunting, and they trample through the woods, and they ride four-wheelers, and, and they take their trucks and their guns, and they climb trees, and they sit on these platforms with a na little narrow plank, and, and they wait for a deer to come by and, and, and shoot that deer, kill that deer. I don't do that. I stay in bed on cold winter mornings. I don't, I don't do that. I, you know, I don't do that. I don't want to do that. I'm staying in bed. But here's the point. If you want to do it, you do what you want to do. Now, why were they forsaking the church? Well, it was because they were being persecuted by the religious leaders of the day and by their government. And all of a sudden, they began saying, hey, it's easier. It's safer just not to go to church. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose my life. If I stay away from that bunch of folks down there that preaches Jesus Christ and he's the only way to God, I could get in some serious trouble, so I'm not going. But the point is, God is saying that being persecuted and the difficulty that these people were going through it's no excuse to get out of church. That's what he told them. Don't forsake the church. But we're going through all this. That don't matter. Go and be with the assembly. You're going to see the importance of this in just a minute. So God is saying to us, you know, that, that your flimsy excuse about not going to church is really no excuse, and you need to get yourself up and get plugged in to the church that I love and that I gave my life for. Because you're going to do what you want to do. i got a note here. Turn to the bottom of page 9. It's time. It's not enough. Let me skip over two or three pages. I'm going to finish up. Verse 25. Notice what he says. Don't forget. Don't forsake. And then he ties it into the second coming. Did you see that? Look at verse 25. But not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. So he ties it back to the second coming of Christ. He's talking about the rapture. It's what we've been talking about. It's what we've been singing about. The next thing coming for the Christian on the prophetic calendar is the snatching away of the church, being called up or being left behind. Now, don't miss this in verse 25. That word assembly is a word in which the original word is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's, it's used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and it's called gathering. So you have assembly and you have gathering. And the word gathering is the same word as assembly in Hebrews 10.25. So he's talking about the rapture. Now, here it is. Here's the point. Don't miss it. When we gather, when we assemble together on Sunday or any time, we are picturing the rapture. Here we are. We're gathered. We're ready. We've come together. We've assembled. And so there's a day coming when the bridegroom, Jesus, is coming for his bride, the church, and he's going to gather his people. He's going to assemble his people. And he's going to call them up. 
He's gathering them up. He's going to assemble us. And when we gather in this place on Sunday or any other time or wherever you normally attend worship, we are picturing the rapture, the ingathering, the assembling of the saints. And here's the point. So we today, we're to, here today, we're picturing the ones who are going to be called up to meet the Lord. Think of that. And those that are not here today are picturing the ones who are going to be left behind. I don't know about you, but not only do I want to meet the Lord in the air, but I also want to picture the crowd that's caught up. So every time you come to church, this pictures that great gathering. So let me encourage you to get in, stay in, serve God, do anything you can for Him, for anyone else, as we gather together. Because at any moment, He can come. He can come again and gather us unto Himself. What glorious thing it would be today, Easter, for you to give your life to Christ. To let the resurrected Christ come dwell in your heart and give you the supernatural power to meet every day that you face. What a day to do that. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Died on the cross for my sins. But he's not dead. God raised him from the dead. And he's alive. So the question this morning, will you confess your sins and receive him by faith? Will you do that today? There's a day coming where those that are in Adam will be here and those that are in Christ will be gathered together with him. Someone said not long ago, you don't have to go to heaven when you die and you don't have to go to hell when you die, but you can't stay here. He's coming back. He's coming back. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. I don't know. Maybe today you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you've trusted in some other things. Maybe you've trusted in church or ordinance or something. You've trusted in something besides Christ. But now you've come face to face with his word. You understand what Christ requires. That you trust him and only him. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven but by me. I don't know what you're trusting in, whether it's a church or whether it's a religious belief or whether it's an ordinance or, I, I don't know, just being good, moral person, and surely Christ will let you in. It's not what the Bible says. Sad thing, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. But would you be willing today to confess your sins, receive him by faith, and pray pray and ask him to come into your life and save you. Pray, if you would, just by, keep your heads bowed just a moment. Pray a prayer similar to this. Oh, God, I, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I want to turn from my sin. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
I want to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus. I really believe, Lord, you came, you died on the cross for my sins, you were buried, you arose again, and one day you're coming back. And I want to be a part of that gathering, that assembly. And I want to give you my life today, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. I'm tired of playing around, being religious, acting religious. I just, I want to be you. I want to be like you. I want to be a Christian. I want to be Christos, a Christos. I want to be Christ-like. I want you to come and live in my heart, dwell in me, and live, you, live yourself through me. I give you my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.